takes a lot to get on my show. Genius, you're probably someone we'd like to know. You're really good at stuff, you probably like to dance. You like long walks and you wear clean pants. Genius, get on to my show. Howdy folks, welcome to Living With a Genius. I'm your host, Omar Crook. I'm so excited to have Roberto Cani on the show today. Roberto is the concertmaster of the Los Angeles Opera Orchestra. I've known him for uh, quite a few years now. The, the great thing about Roberto is he's, uh, he's just so friendly. He's such a nice guy. When we're in the green room during a break or an intermission, he always comes down and sits with us and chats. He always gets out his phone and shows me the, the latest bow he's made or the latest violin he's working on. Shows me pictures of his beautiful daughter. His wife is also really nice. She comes over a lot and sits with us. And, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. I always say it's rare to find people at such a high level that are really nice. But I, you know what? Maybe that's just not true. Maybe the people at the, at the highest levels of their professions, more often than not, are just uh, really cool people who are very secure with what they do and uh, are interesting and interested in other people. That's kind of been my experience with this podcast so far. And Roberto's no no exception. I mean, he's uh, just a really sweet guy. He's got beautiful violins. He travels all over the world. He's played everywhere. Uh, he, uh, you know, I mean, uh, gosh, I mean, if you're a violinist, you, you probably know who he is. So he's, a, he's a big, he's a real deal. So uh, anyway, hope you enjoy our chat. I sure did. Here's Roberto. You grew up in Milan. You grew up in Milan. With a very tough father. Yes. <laughs> and a very nice mother. <laughs> and a very nice... Really? Did your mom have trouble defending yes. you? Yes. My mother and my grandmother was on my side. My dad was uh, the hard one. Was he Was he a drinker at all or anything? Not at all. Nothing like that? No, he was strict with himself too. What about his father? Was he the same? Uh, his father passed away when my dad was very young. Where do you think he got this idea to be so hard on, on you? Or are you an only he child a, also? Uh, or do you have I brothers? Have two sisters. You have two sisters. Yeah, I see. Are they in music as well? One, one, one sister. She she plays piano. She she's a piano teacher. Oh, I see. In, and she lives in, in Milan. In Milan. Yeah, the other one lives in London. I see. Okay. So your dad was just a naturally tough guy. Yeah, he had a hard life himself. He was very frustrated. You mean financially or? No, no. For, with his with his uh, life and his career, you know. As an accountant. I think he was not happy in general. Ah, do you think he wanted to be a musician? No. Even though he listened to opera all day long? I think he wanted to long? be a soccer player. He, he loved to soccer so much that he wanted to be a soccer player. And because he came from a small town in Sicily, there are not too many opportunities in those days. So he was very frustrated. Okay. Um, gosh, I'm sorry. We've got to go back on this. Oh, no, it's okay. So, it's just so, it was a good practice. Oh, it's just so terrible. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was wondering, I kept, I kept looking <laughs> at it. Uh, okay. All right. So you That's grew up okay. in Milan, and then you found yourself a teacher in Moscow. And you said yes. when you were around uh, 19 or so, you, I you moved, moved to Moscow. And you had been playing yes. violin since you were a boy. Since I was seven years old. And you practiced 10 hours a day. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> Not uh, when I was in Milan, there was you no know, opportunities, and we couldn't. I couldn't practice that much. Now, were you practicing at home, or did it give yeah. you the opportunity? So you didn't. It's not like you used the violin to escape to go to somewhere no, else. No, I no. I see. Okay. Unfortunately, not. Okay. Uh, I was going to two schools. I was going to um, a school to become a, a accountant, a banker, and uh, after that school, I was going to the conservatory to study violin. So I did two schools at the time I came home, but there was not much time to practice. Yeah. So. Tell me about the day when you, when either your dad figured it out or you, did you come and tell your dad, look, I'm, I'm not going to be an accountant. I'm going to be a violinist. Oh, that's another story you tell you. That's another funny story. Yeah. So basically the, back in the, at the conservatory, I had a, a violin teacher. She fell in love with me. I mean, she was much older, but she fell in love uh, of this cute boy who, who had so much talent and she decided to adopt it, adopt me. So, wait, she, wait, wait. I, I, I told. Was it her, a romantic love? No, no. It was, it was more like a maternal, maternal love. 
Okay. So she, I used to go to school, and many, many times it happened like I, I would not go to school and go to her house instead. And her house was like wonderful. She would, we would both talk so much. She would tell me her stories about her childhood, and uh, she was Jewish in her experience with during the war. Sure. And uh, <clears throat> music, you know, would listen to recordings, and obviously I would have lessons and play all Beethoven sonatas and. <clears throat> so I would tell her a story with my parents that she decided, you know, you stay here with me and we adopt you and tell your father you're not going back. Who oh, who that didn't it was didn't work. I mean it wasn't <laughs> I mean did did your parents know her at all? Yeah, of course. Okay. But uh, she would lie, I would lie that I was going to school, but I was going to her because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to play the violin. I didn't wanna didn't want to become banker or accountant, you know. Tell me about the day when you're father found out and he she told him she told him that uh that this is he, what she'd like to do that he's gonna stay with me and oh uh, she didn't even ask she no, just no, told no. him she said i'm gonna adopt him i'm totally serious she gave me a violin that she used she owned and you know it was um yeah what did your dad do he uh he was very upset how about your mom uh, my mom i was always trying to make, make things, things uh, smooth yeah but he was pretty so did you ever see her again? Oh yeah. Oh, you did. I did. So I still that wasn't the end her. of it. It was not the end. He was upset, but uh, there's no way you're going to school. You're going, you know, do whatever I tell you. And <laughs> but eventually, I had to find another way of escaping from my house. Yeah. That's why I started to to think about going abroad, going. Yeah. To Russia. Yeah. First yeah. Uh, to Croatia. That's how I started. I went to Croatia to have a study in a festival with this Russian teacher, and mm -hmm. then I got invited to go to Moscow. Yeah, and you said that you spent two years in Moscow. Yes, two during and a half this years. during the transition, once they were coming out of yes. communism, and yes. you you were saying that there that there was no food, no food, no food. I lost eight kilos. Besides practicing the violin and going to concerts, the concerts were always great. We were great artists. And did your parents ever go to Russia? No, they didn't. No, did that upset you? No, not at all. You wanted to be away. I wanted to be away, and I want to see my parents again. And did you think when you left to go to Moscow that that was the end of being at home? That you were just going to be yes, gone. Yes, that was the goal. Yeah, I wanted to be myself, my own life, um, and uh, yeah. And you'd met, you've created enough velocity to escape. Yes, absolutely. And so you mentioned earlier. That you were involved in this major competition, yeah, which changed that idea for you of going home, where you had to go back. Oh yeah, the, the Vinyavsky competition. Yeah, yeah. So I went back after after you should have won and didn't win. Well, I, I don't know if I should have won, but I should have should have done better, like uh, you know, being the final, getting a prize. Right. Mostly for the preparation. I know a lot of kids go and competition. Sometimes they feel like like that, but. Uh, uh, coming from winning competition and spending a year working and do contest uh, concerts, sure. preparing for preparing this major for competition, and, and I felt like I, you know I did well in the competition. Had you lost competitions before that? Yeah, but so okay, so so you had experience of not winning. Yes, but that time I really thought it was going to work. Yeah, is that the only time that you've wanted to quit? Yes. That's it. Yeah. And then how did you recover from that? Because from Moscow, you moved back home and you were 20? Yeah. You moved back to a house where you didn't feel supported as an artist? Yes. How did you, how did you manage that uh, personally? Did you make yourself scarce? Were you always out? Were you trying? To, I mean, how do you... I, because I can imagine if when you come home feeling like you failed... Mm -hmm to a father who confirms that idea, mm -hmm. who says, yes, you are a loser. Yes, you did fail. Welcome home, son, kind of. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with that? Uh, Just personally. Well, uh, yeah, it was difficult. But eventually, eventually uh, playing the volume, it was, you know, I like it so much that um, I had to find another way of making myself insp inspired by this instrument.
in that get small the heart again. Yeah, because and that's, the heart. Right. Once you lose your heart, that's it. It's you know, it's difficult to go back. Mm-hmm. Uh, what so, was the moment when when you found that heart again to go back to the violin? Um, well, the thing is, uh, I did the contest in big contest that I won, and I it went well for me in that sense. Um, and in, this, in this was in Milan, in, in Genoa, the Paganini competition, and uh, at that time, I, uh, there was one Russian teacher who, besides being a great teacher, was a great person, and uh, he had so many kids, so many famous artists, and so this opportunity came to to play for him, to study with him, and he was passing through Italy, so I, I took lessons from him and. Uh, <coughs> inspired me so much. Huh. It's like, wow, the violin is not just playing con- contest and playing technical stuff, but actually uh, uh, producing a sound mm-hmm. and making the violin actually like a voice, like talking, like singing. It's like I never experienced a thing like that, like getting inspired so much. And, mm-hmm. and so he said, you should come play and study with me in the United States. And so he moved to LA. That's how you got. You, that's, that's how you, I got twenty. Really? And uh, I com- My mom was very uh, supportive. Now this was in that small period of time where you had decided to not play anymore. You found this teacher, or this teacher found you. Uh, he found me. And and then it turned he, it around for you again. Yes, to get inspiration and. And so at you were maybe twenty one at this point. Uh, more like twenty. Three, okay, so you came and lived for a few years. Yeah, because after the contest, I think I wanted to move to Europe, somewhere else in Europe to study somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So at 23, did you do what you did in Russia where you just followed this teacher and lived with this teacher no, in Moscow? Because How it, did this work to come here? Yeah, it was much different. different. Yeah, in what I, way? I studied privately mm-hmm. because uh, he, was not, he was already quite... Um, an, I think it was 70 years old. So he had retired, yeah. He had retired, but he had private students coming from all over the world. He mm-hmm. was very well known. What know? was his name? Uh, Abraham Stern. Abraham Stern. Mm-hmm. <coughs> what do you need? No. So, yeah. Uh, so the life changed completely. Yeah. I mean, things you're used to do. Uh, it was very difficult to come on your own to United States. I didn't speak English. Okay. And um, life is very different. It's, it was very different in those days. Yeah, in what way? Like, what was so hard about it, besides the language? Uh, I was on my own. Yeah. I had no friends, nobody. Were you making a living? Uh, no. I mean, how did you pay to live here? My mom. Oh, wow. She has to hide and uh, try to help. So she would send you money and your dad didn't know about it? Uh, yes. Wow. Yeah. And when did he find out about that? I think he knew it. He just pretend not to know. I see. So he gave up on talking to you. He knew that it was good for me to be away because he knew his character, his personality was difficult. And the only way for me is to try to be on my own and, you know, and grow up. Yeah. And Uh, were you playing as a soloist here in Los Angeles? I had some opportunities, but uh, obviously nobody knew me here. Yeah, and there isn't, there aren't that many opportunities, even for the best, yeah, most well-known violinists. Yeah, but basically, I was studying. I was here on a visa for three months, six months, and uh, was going back to play concerts in Italy, and I uh, did a couple recordings. So my career actually kind of was starting in Italy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember my agent said, you know, it's not good that you live so far away. We need you right here. So whenever the opportunity is you go and play concerts, mm-hmm. you can't, we cannot, you're not established. You're not Guillaume Kramer that you you can just do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. But I didn't care. Like, I don't want to be here. Really? But not because the career is because my parents, you know. You I, didn't even want to be in Italy. I didn't want to be in Italy. Anywhere? No. <laughs> For me, Italy was my parents, my house. I, I didn't even think about I can live on my own. In I Rome or... I can't even think. I was Venice, like, yeah, nothing, it, nothing. It's not like I had a, someone uh, say, you know, <laughs> try to talk to me. Did you have a girlfriend or anything in Italy? Yeah, believe it or not, I got a girlfriend here. In Italy, it was just work and violin, and not even thinking about. <laughs> so it wasn't uh, Italy didn't 
represent anything to you except work and your parents. Exactly. That was it. It's bizarre, but yes. And now, wow. <laughs> Strange. <laughs> okay, so you're maybe 24, 25, and you're living in Los Angeles. Your mother's sending you money. You're picking up gigs. When did you start playing for film? Oh, that was much later. It was. So how it did was you much later? How I, did you make it during that I decade or whatever? To, well, I did a lot. I, you know, I to, you know, I was traveling back and forth basically, I and I concert here, concert there. Uh, it was not making a living. But then I, 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 when I came to the states, I decided to to go to USC to study violin. Okay, as a German teacher. How did you get into UCLA? Her. You just to US, USC, USC. I made to, to USC. Did did somebody say, "Hey, we've got uh, yeah, this I great school and come and play for this person"? Well, I first studied with another teacher, Lipset. Uh, basically, I met this, of course, a girl, and, uh, and she said, "You better come to school so you can stay here. We can stay together on a student visa." Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. so I could have, uh, you know. That's complicated. I mean, I turned down so many opportunities. What do you mean? So many opportunities. In Italy, I had, uh, they asked me to play a concert tour. They asked me to come to New York and, and do a, a concert at um, uh, a very prestigious hall, Lincoln Center. And, mm -hmm. and I turned it down because I was so much into this relationship and <laughs> with this girl that I, I turned it down. And this tour in Italy, I turned it down. It now, never came again. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. It How never long? came again because uh, I was too stuck up until like, you know, maybe not, you know, the way I handle things, it was not correct. So it's not that you made a decision to, I guess what I'm saying is that this, the decision you made was about this girl more than thinking yeah. about your career. Yes. If you could go back, would you do it differently? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Obviously. Well, not obviously. A lot well, of people say. A lot of people say, "Oh, I, I don't have any regrets." Yeah. I have lots of regrets. I do too. I don't yeah. trust people that say they don't have regrets. <laughs> How can you not have regrets? Yeah. Do you not get outside I, I of your house? Lying. I think they're lying. <laughs> they, are, they don't want people to know. It's like my teacher used to say, "Don't share your good things and and secrets and experience with other people. Just tell them what they want to know." So most I, many people are like that. I don't understand that. I don't because I we're give all. Everything. I do too because yes. we we're all in this together and we all. Yeah. It, it, it makes people hurt. it makes people miserable to make them think that you're so much better than they are or what what whatever. Yeah, but then you get hurt. People take advantage of you because you're, uh, you know. Have you had? I haven't, have you had that experience? I don't. I haven't had that experience. Oh yeah. You have. <laughs> so many. <laughs> I think I so many different things. I should write a book, my unsuccessful stories, because I call it unsuccessful stories. Yeah. But the experience in life, they probably make you stronger. Of course. But, um, you know. I mean, would if if you could go back and be, uh, you know, Heifetz or a, a big international star, Joshua Bell, yeah. you know. Uh, is that what you would prefer to have done? Well, you know, I feel it this way. I feel like uh, life goes a certain way. Yeah. And you have a road that is like, oh my gosh, you see the road. It's going a certain way and you should just follow the road. It's not about being famous. You just had to follow the road. Right. But somehow I didn't follow the road. I went a different way without seeing. You know, sometimes you get opportunities and you had to take these opportunities otherwise the road goes different way and mm -hmm. uh, god knows if you're going to go back to that road so i went to that road different road and never went back to the road i was supposed to do and then that happened on that new york concert is that when you took took i your, think it uh, was it that the turn honestly i came by came to, the, to to los angeles that's when the turn that happened. was the wrong when you left italy when i left italy coming to la uh, studying with this teacher was good but uh, it was just studying. And uh, I also had opportunity to go study in New York with Dorothy DeLay and uh, didn't take that opportunity. But uh, in order to go back to that road, you know that was a good experience to study, but then you had to go back and continue to this road. Mm -hmm. And you didn't? I didn't. I decided to stay here, miserable. I didn't like LA at all. Because, because coming from Russia to go to concert to meet 
other people in the same level doing concerts and yeah. meet, meeting conductors yeah. and uh, in a culture that supports that in a different that. kind of culture it's yeah. not like LA was bad it's just a di different you know the weather was hot going to the beach uh, you know you don't you didn't feel inspired of practicing 10 hours a day mm -hmm. you know you felt going to the beach have fun parties you know it's a different life yeah uh, so yeah, I stopped practicing <sighs> because I didn't have inspiration. <laughs> so how long of a period were you struggling? I was struggling because I put everything into a relationship that was not worth it. And uh, and I fell in love, deeply in love with a person who didn't care. How long did that last? One year. Well, that... You would think it's... But in that time, you lost your opportunities in Europe. Uh, it changed me. I lot. mean, when that when that relationship ended, why didn't you? I was very hurt. You say, "Well, this is the right time to well, go think back about to it. Europe." I think about it. in Europe, everyone took care of me. The teacher took care of me. My family financially. Uh, you go play concert. You don't think about life. You don't think about making your own life and consequences. And consequences. Decisions. You know, yeah. you meet mm -hmm. a girl. In the I was meeting a girl, and it was like a platonic thing. Never. You know, like think, oh my gosh, I want to get married with this girl. Right. And I did think I put, you know. So the girl here in LA, was she European as well or was she American? She was American. Uh huh. Is she a musician? Yeah. She still, do you still see her around no, town? No, 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 no. You don't? No. Has <laughs> <laughs> been so long. Well, know. it's a small world. I mean, it's a small world, but it doesn't live here. But, uh, yeah, I don't know why I like I stayed here in LA. This That's time. my question. When when you guys broke up, it sounds like it was very difficult for you. You were living in a place that you didn't like. Yes, but I, you're but moving the the idea of moving back to Italy was even worse. Well, think about it. For my father was a loser. If I failed and I go back, it would have been even worse. He said, "I'm not going to support anymore if you keep changing and trying to find different ways to to study or to do things. Either stay there in LA." And I'll, I'll support you, or or just be on your own, and you never see me again. Imagine. So I stayed here. I stayed here. And you were studying at USC. At I the studied time? USC. I graduated from USC. Was that a big change for you? Yes, because coming from a great school, from winning contests, to have career, to be, you know, on a path, playing a great hall, you know to be a student playing last Valley in a student orchestra, it was uh, mentally... Rebuilt. Uh, yeah, it was very hard, very hard. I was uh, invited by a Russian guy to be concertmaster and soloist in Rai Orchestra in Milan, in Belgrade, in, um, yeah, in Belgrade, in Moscow, with a symphony there in Germany, in France, all over Europe, yeah. playing con big concerts as a soloist and concertmaster and to, to be a student in... A, did those opportunities come while you were a student at USC? Believe it or not, one opportunity came along that uh, from Europe, people that knew me mm -hmm. from soloing in Europe, they came and they contacted me through USC and uh, the teacher at USC said, uh, he's too busy studying here. He cannot play concerts in South America with you. And all like I was doing, playing another, I did two recordings, I had a record contract and uh, they wouldn't let me do that. I had another record to make in Italy, playing with orchestra and solo, the Tartini Sonatas, and the teacher, they would stop me from doing that. What, what do you think about that now? Uh, if, I, if I would kill the teacher, I would have now. It was, uh, you know. That teacher was forcing you to say forcing either. Forcing me to stay here. Either to burn USC to, down and leave. I mean, you didn't have a choice, right? You, if you had left, you would not have been able to come back to USC. That would have been it. It probably would have been a good thing for me because I missed these opportunities and never came back. You know, you don't miss opportunities like that. Why did you decide to do that? I didn't want to go back. Really? I would do anything to stay away from my parents. <laughs> wow. And I was not thinking I can just live somewhere else. And plus, I had some bad experience with my agent and, and the producers. So they, things were just starting to happen here, yeah? Well, not really, but uh, not really. Never so really, it really was, again, the idea of going back uh, to Of course, you Italy. make your own decisions, your own choices, but, uh, you know, but I, I, I eventually became a man. Stay in America, you learn a lot. You learn, you learn how yeah. to, you know, support yourself. You, living here, you had to know everything. You, know, you need to know how to fix houses. You need to know 
if you go to a doctor, you need to know exactly what you have. Otherwise, the doctor, how would you know what medication to give you? You know, in Italy, it's so different. You go to a doctor, but the symptoms, they ask you what you have, they figure out what, what you need. Right. And in this country, you need to know everything. <laughs> you know, you can die. <laughs> You go to surgery, you know, they, you have a problem with your back. They, 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 they say, oh, let's do surgery on you. Right. I had problems with my back, but it was nothing major. And they wanted to do surgery on my back. You know, I, I'm not saying that the country is, but this is a lot to do with uh, making money, supporting insurance company. Life is tough. You need lots of money to live in the United States. Absolutely. So in that sense, uh, you know. In that way, the, the horrible part of living here was actually good for you as a... Yes. As a man. Yes. You had to really learn a lot. I learned a lot. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And when you were at USC, how were you supporting yourself besides your parents? Were you uh, gigging or were you? I did some concerts. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I, you know, I, win, I won contests too. And uh, I mean, if I tell you a story, you'll think I'm crazy. No, I want to hear it. <laughs> I mean, my, my parents bought me a violin in Italy. Yeah. And uh, I sold the violin. I was always good at selling violins. It was a good violin. I sold it. Here? In yes. LA? Yes. And that helped you live? Help me live. Help me buying a car. <laughs> oh uh, I could have bought a house. I remember I, I had an opportunity to buy a house. And I said, I don't want to live here. Why should I buy a house? Wait, how did you have an opportunity to buy a house when you were so young? Uh, well, with the money from the from the uh, the violin, I could have bought the was, down payment for a house. It was the that, houses were cheap. It was that kind of violin. Well, like it a, was was something. But wow. you know, a house at that time was hundred and fifty. Sure, you can put a down payment for a house. It would help you. Sure. Did you ever tell your dad that you sold the violin? No. Have you told anybody? Well, my mom knew everything. Oh, I, she with did. my mom, she knew everything. Everything. Yeah, I would share everything with, with her. Yeah. And then yeah. what was the big turning point? I mean, I'm sitting in this beautiful house that you have, and I know I know you from the opera. I know that you play session work everywhere. How did what, what how did that happen? Well, I started with this sessions. I mean, as the dream has been always playing solo, but making a living, especially living so far away, mm -hmm. it's not easy. So I started. I, I met uh, uh, this person named Andre Granato, who was a violin uh, consumer in the studios. He was a w wonderful violinist mm -hmm. and uh, he heard me playing and he was quite impressed and said, you know, if you have your book, if you don't go buy a book, tomorrow someone will call you. You're going to start working in the studios. And that's how I started. How long ago was that? Uh, quite a while ago. But um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was easy money. You would yeah. make easy money. Yeah. Do you see that the work is drying up or no? It's changed a lot. I mean, at your level, you get all the calls anyway, but I'm sure a lot of people you don't see anymore. Uh, yeah, I had to say that in the, in the old days, there were a lot of great players. Mm -hmm. There were concert master and great players. It was inspiring, and Andre was a great violinist. Uh, it changed a lot. It became mm -hmm. more political, knowing this person, knowing the other person, having friends, and the composer changed Mm -hmm. You know, except for John Williams, obviously, it's uh, unbelievable. Mm -hmm. uh, but the whole life became like when I used, you know, did session in, in Italy for fun. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. were like uh, amateurish, to, uh, to tell you the truth. It's a little bit that way because of the connection. Because anybody who plays the violin, if he, if he knows someone, he can just play in the studios. It, sure. using, it was not like that. You had to audition, play. It was serious. It was more serious. Mm-hmm. People respected musicians in the studios. No, now it's like a club. We don't get respect. Hmm. You know, it's different. It's different. Do you think it's going to change for the better or the worse? Uh, it's hard because as a singer, our unions are too twofold. They they make sure that we get paid, but then they also prevent us from getting some work as well, like buyouts and stuff. Yeah. They just won't even do. Yeah, it's it's different. Yeah, it's different. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't see the things getting better because also the economy is not good. I mean, Hollywood is fantastic, sure. so they keep doing movies. Sure. And Americans very strong. Americans, uh, especially now, they feel like they need to think about themselves. You know, the industry has been changing. Composer go to Europe, go to London. Right. Running is great. Right. Go to Prague. That's right. I've said this before that in the 50s, you know, if you wanted a Hollywood sound, you had to come to Hollywood. Yeah. But now you don't. Each studio had their own orchestra. Yeah. 
Yeah, now you don't. Uh, you can go anywhere and get. Now you can go anywhere. And you can go to London and just pay them and you own yeah. it. You don't have to pay residuals. Yeah, I do believe that we we do need the union. We people have been talking about not having the union. Yeah. Without the union it's going to be a mess. Even though if they don't do much, you know, you pay the union, but the fact that you have the union represent you even for once that mm-hmm. you, you know, even mm-hmm. if they do one good thing, that's enough, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we do need the union. In Italy, no union. I mean, I think in Seattle, you go sell the, the union, right. right? You that's can right. get fired. And that's true. That's the other part of the union that really helps us. Yeah. yeah. But but the worst part, I think, in, in my opinion, I'm not a politician and maybe I don't have good social skills. I mean, talking and, but, in whatever I learned in life in general, if you put yourself in a certain level, you had to stay there. So it started, you know, we had certain rates in the studios, mm-hmm. making certain amount of money. Mm-hmm. And once you decide to change and you said, you know, we can do work for less, we can do demo session. Mm-hmm. Once you start doing that, it changed the whole thing. That's you put yourself, you put yourself at a lower level. So and it's better think, to let go of that work that, that you shouldn't be doing anyway. Because they know that the Hollywood is a great place to be. Mm-hmm. You know, you put yourself on a high level mm-hmm. and people believe it. You're great. But if you start trying to do any other jobs and do lawyers, you, put, you lower yourself. People think you're not as good. Then, you know, we can just go to Prague. Mm-hmm. It costs even less. Mm-hmm. I think that's how you started. Yeah. You do it over Skype. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, things obviously change and... Uh, with time and uh, yeah but i think that's how it started i really believe that uh you, you should yeah speaking about competition how do you keep is there a process in keeping your seat as concert master do people challenge you uh, yeah it's a very delicate situation yeah t- how does i don't know anything about it uh well i was picked by maestro that's how it works in la by james by james mm-hmm. yeah and he picked me as his concert master on an audition or what uh, the audition, it was basically do an opera. I did the production of uh, Rossini Il Turco. Oh, sure. And that it was, was so much fun. I, honestly, show. I didn't think about I will join, I want this job. I right. didn't think about getting the job. People, I was the last candidate. That the other, all the other people tried. You know, if, so they were actively looking. Yes. Mm-hmm. And finally, I tried. A friend of mine said, why don't you try? How Put did, your resume. So I sent my resume. Yeah, how did James find you to begin with? I sent my resume to the opera. and uh, And I uh, think he read the resume. It was a pretty good resume. And they called me up uh, himself and said, do you want to try for Cine Turco? I'm like, oh, it would be fun. Mm-hmm. And I talked to him for a long time, shared our experience. He had so much experience. That was the one with Nino and uh, yes. and and Kate Lindsay and yeah, oh my yeah. God, it was that such was a, a wonderful great show. When we all come up out of the out of yeah. the trailer, all the people come up out of the, uh, the yeah. little steel trailer. And I tell you the truth, from hating opera because of my dad to yeah. to be sitting down, and it was magical. It was beautiful. To was there a little bit of a a little bit of a stick in your side because of your father or did you get over Not at all. it was so beautiful that you didn't even yeah think about that it's so much fun it's like and at the same time because my bad experience being in another another country without knowing italians and you know all this bad experience i had being the opera it's like i'm back home with the people uh, nice no, people being, playing the opera i was like because uh, you know in, in yeah. me there's always milan and the opera yeah. in milan so it was like being back home. Did you have a sense of like, oh, this, I'm going to do this just for some money and I'm not really... Unfortunately, all my life I've been like that. I do things, except, you know, working in the studio, I need money to leave. It was like, all right, it's a good oh, money. I'll just do this. Uh, but uh, yeah, with the opera, it was not all about money. I never look how much money I make. Uh, it's about enjoying what I'm doing. Yeah. And working with James, how is that? Uh, it's wonderful. I learned a lot from him. Yeah. I learned a lot from him. Yeah, it's been a begin- especially beginning. It was uh, it was great experience. Yeah, so you came in and you played Turco, and yeah, you liked all your colleagues. Uh, I I like James a lot. Okay, and how I about- like some of the colleagues? Yeah, and um, I like the singers. I always had this particular relationship with singers. I don't know. Somehow I felt like I was a singer. You know, <laughs> I played you, the, you have the Well, you have the personality of a singer. It, it's yeah. weird because I sit down there, but I wanted to be on stage because you know me. I always wanted to be on stage. But, yeah. And I put myself on stage and try to have the orchestra, have the violins, be part of the 
the opera as a, like singers, not mm-hmm. like a company, um, the singers, but be part of it and right. be one of the singers. So when you played Turco, at that moment, did, did your expectations, did the experience exceed your expectations so much that you wanted to do that? That's what you wanted to do here in LA? Was that a, was I was not thinking. No. I was not thinking. It was just a gig. It was uh, a wonderful gig and uh, a new thing for me. And uh, it just came natural. Mm-hmm. Whatever, how, I don't know how things work with inside the opera, inside the people. But I didn't have anybody pushing me, like uh, sponsoring me, or it just came natural. So then what came after Turco? After Turco, James called me up and he said, would you like to join as consumers? Just orchestra? like that? Just like that. After that one performance? After the one uh, one production. I mean production. Yeah. Yes, just like that. I don't, uh, yes. Did you think about it or did you just say yes? I said yes. Because you enjoyed it so much. I enjoyed it so much. Yeah. Yeah. And how's the how's the pit? How's the house? How are the audience compared to Europe? Is this as close to Europe as you can get without being no. near your parents? <laughs> <laughs> Milan is particular. Italy, it's tough. I mean, I come from the days that had lots of lots. Of opera was pretty big, and mm-hmm. right now it's changing a lot in Italy. There's no funds. The government is awful. Uh, culture in general is going down. I mean, if you don't sponsor culture things, music, it's culture. Mm-hmm. All know, the arts. What do you have? Yeah. What else do you have? Money. Money and guns and oil. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we need that. The world needs that. Yeah. You know, kids need it. Uh, it's part of discipline. It's part, part of, of being discipline. a human, human yes. being. Yeah. About just being a decent human being. Yeah. Is just uh, at least knowing about those things and thinking that they're important. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that separates us from the rest of the animals on the planet. <laughs> yes. I mean, we're going for centuries and centuries trying to grow, not just, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, culturally too yeah yeah okay so you're you're with us now yes at the opera i still enjoy very much but you still also go out and play solo concerts yes in europe in the united I still states go to europe yes i went do to you enjoy that as Hong much Kong. as you used to uh still yes you do yes i feel like i'm still getting better and uh, that's a positive thing i don't feel like i'm always satisfied I always want to get better. You still enjoy playing the violin? Oh, yes, more than anything. Really? Yes. So spending five, six hours practicing is nice for you? It's hard. The body's not the same, but... Uh, physically, yes, physically, but your heart is in it. Your, my heart is in it. Yeah. It's like magic, isn't it? It is. Music for me has been that way. Yeah. The only thing. Yeah, unfortunately, it's not for everybody like that. Not for everybody. And when I see people, they only think about playing for money. It's kind of sad. It's, oh, well, you make more money. Well, then it means that you're thinking about only money. Right. You know? How do you make a good sound if you're thinking about money? Yeah, and everyone wants my position. Everyone thinks they can do the same. Tell me about that. Do you have yeah. to go through a process of auditions, or are you locked into your seat for, for well, a certain I amount of time? Unfortunately, no, I don't have tenure. And uh, How do you get tenure in an I orchestra? Don't. Uh, some orchestras give you tenure. Some some orchestras don't give you tenure our, at all. At all. Some are our orchestra. There's no tenure system at no all. No tenure system. So it makes it very hard for me because uh, you never know. You never know. Conductor changes mind. Or in the meantime, the orchestra is not supporting the concert master. I mean, it's hard to see an orchestra supporting their concert master because they all want your job. Yeah, because they hate someone telling what to do. First of all, <laughs> you make more money. They think that is good. You know the joke of uh, this um, viola player who found the uh, uh, bottle with the gin inside? Uh, uh, basically, this, this, uh, the, he was the last viola player in the orchestra, and they found the genius. Like, uh, wow, it's amazing, amazing thing. So the genie comes out and says, you have three wishes. So the famous three wishes. Uh-huh. Great. And uh, they say, yeah, I want to be 100 times better musician i say you can have anything why do you want to be 100 times better that's what i want okay so from last viola become principal viola of the orchestra I said this really works <laughs> my god i want my second wish what do you want your second wish your house money anything i want to be 100 times better <laughs> again is again yeah so from last from principal viola becomes concert master wow so he thinks maybe in my third wish I can become a conductor or something. Mm-hmm. So your third wish is the last one. Make sure you do a the good the good wish. You make a good wish. 
So I want to be 100 times better. This really works. I said, are you sure? I said, of course, I'm sure 100 times better. Boom, it becomes last violin in the orchestra. How'd that happen? See, the point is, you know, last violin orchestra is better than anybody. Yeah, than, the first, than any violist. Yeah. <laughs> I think you need uh, also humility. Yeah. And uh, you need to think about getting better. Yeah. Improve. Yeah. Don't be satisfied. Always Don't try. rest. Always, yes. Like Placido says, if I rest, I rest. Exactly. I know it's tough when you're an orchestra, you know, sit down last. Uh, so is your easy. position, does your position technically depend on James and what he thinks? Pretty much. What if, has anybody ever come to the company and said, I want to challenge Roberto for his seat? Uh, I've, I think so. I, I, there are people constantly recommending someone else, constantly try to make my life difficult, especially this year has been really tough. Somehow they knew about uh, my contract expired. I didn't even know about my contract until people told me. And they really tried this year to push me away from, from this job. Other players, you mean? Yes. Wow. Yeah. That must be so hard to come to work. It's hard because also you thought you had friends supporting you and they realized they're not friends. Somehow they became friends with other people and they are helping this other person and on your back trying to push someone else. So what's going to happen? Um, Is it still I'm, up in the air? Do you still not know what's happening? No, I know. I'm going to yeah. continue. Yeah. Uh, my heart is a little bit, you know, like, oh, my God. Yeah, it breaks a little bit. It, it's very hurtful, very hurtful. And I'm always supporting my astro. It's the first person I support. Mm -hmm. I'm with him. Mm -hmm. uh, you also support the singers. I always see you I looking. I support the singers you're always looking all up the at time. Us. Yeah. I, yes, I really want to make their life easy. I know how to be in stage and, you know, I want to yeah do as much as i can to to do a good job yeah yeah now as a family man do you have enough time here at home with your with your wife and with your oh yes daughter? plenty of time uh, fortunately the opera season is not that uh, big we have six productions. so what do you do now that we're on uh, vacation well uh i manage myself to to play quite a bit i have recitals next week two recitals i have a concerto i'm doing italy mm -hmm. no in oregon mm -hmm. playing paganini concerto mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to Italy to a festival and play concerts. Mm -hmm. Do you take the family with you? To Italy, I I'm not taking the family to Oregon. We, we're all going to go together. That's nice. So I try to be busy and I, I work. I have this passion of making instruments and bows. That's, bows. Okay, let's talk about that. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, because one of the great, one of the things that I really like about you, and I'll just say it, mm -hmm. uh, is that I know that you you perform at a very high level a much higher level than I do. Uh, you're the concert master, which is a very prestigious position in any orchestra. And this is a major orchestra, major mm -hmm. opera house in the world. But you're always so friendly and you like to sit and be social with us. And, yeah. and I always like to see you at work. And I guess it's been a couple of years now, you started sharing with me these pictures of the instruments that you're making. Yeah. Why did you start making violins and bows? Uh, it's funny. I mean, uh, first of all, I like violins in general. I always like the actual item, the actual, the actual, actual item, yeah. violin itself. Yeah. The actual item. And uh, I grew up in a city in Milan. I mean, Italy in general, you know, the, the country of violins. Uh, when I was a kid, I was going to a violin maker to spend time. Just to hang out. Just to hang out and, and watch. watch him making violins, try different violins. It's like uh, one violin was never enough for me. I always... Mm -hmm. <laughs> The sound of the violin, I always trying to find uh, the voice of a violin challenging and What's, never found the perfect violin. You've never, you never, never have. found the perfect. You don't have this one violin Actually, in your I mind. Do. I do. I have what one violin that, that uh, uh, well, I was, uh, years ago, I was on a trip to Taiwan and I play, uh, I was teaching there and I play a few concerts. Uh, I met with the collector. There was a collector at that time that he just started his collection. He only had 15 instruments in those days, that 15 instruments came, imagine, you know, Strauss and Guarnerius. Yeah, right. So he invited me to his house. And uh, he lived in a poor area in, uh, in Taiwan, in uh, Tainan, south of Ta Taiwan, mm -hmm. and uh, called the Shimei Foundation. So went to his house, 
and uh, he said, would you like to try some nice violins? I said, yeah, you know, like violins, this is like uh, perfect. So he said, Come, wait a second here in the living room. I go to my bedroom where he, he had his best instruments under his bed. Not a fancy house? Not a fancy house. So he's like, uh, wait here. So I wait there. He You're comes. thinking, oh God, what's going to happen? Exactly. <laughs> Is he going to come out with a gun? <laughs> so he comes. He comes. He has these cases. He had people with him, uh, you know, all these workers, people work for him. And they, they had uh, five cases. They came with five cases, one after another. It's like, uh, this is the ex uh, uh, Joachim Strad. This is the ex, uh, whatever, the head, I can't remember right now. Del Jesu. This is Enamati. What? And then this is 1713 uh, Strads called. The Viotti Strad, the 1709 Strad. He had few Strads. The Viotti. This was the 1709 Strad. I mean, when I saw the violin, it's like uh, you see the most, you know, you see Marilyn Monroe for the first time. Right. It's like for a man, I think man, he's on TV. Yeah, this, it's this great. Yeah. Oh my gosh, the word concentrated like one of these Hitchcock movies. Vroom, yeah. Only yeah. the violin. And you knew it the second you saw it. What the it was. second I saw, when I saw the violin, it was the violin. And and I played all the instruments, and then I played the violin, the violin over the Amati, over the Jesu. I played over every everything. violin. The Amati was beautiful, the most beautiful voice. But when I played the Strad, I couldn't believe I had dreams. I was like in a different world. That was the one. So and if you one. had, if you, if somebody, if a genie came out of a bottle and said yes, you can I, have one instrument, yes. that's the one I you would want. I couldn't sleep the night. I had the sound of the violin. I could see the when I played the field, I could see the, the sound of the violin traveling all over the room, and I felt like I was in a cathedral. It's the, just the quality, the power, everything that you always dream of. That was the violin, the Viore Strat. You haven't played it since. No, I haven't been to Taiwan since then. And it's funny because the whole time, then I was invited for dinner. The, you know, we had soup and bread. And you're you're a hundred feet away from this instrument under I played, the, under they the bed. They made me play all these uh, Italian songs on the violin, uh, Sole Mi on the violin while yeah. they were eating. Like, oh God. Yeah, yeah. But that was the violin. I still remember the sound of the violin thing. You never forget. Does that have something to do with your desire to make violins? Just to find that uh, sound. Not or at is all. that just impossible? It's just a passion that uh, has been in me for a long time. You know, when I was a kid, I, yeah. I wanted to. And this valley maker said, "You play too well. Why do you want to?" You know, the, being a valley maker is not considered a great profession. Mm -hmm. Be a bow maker is probably the worst thing ever. Really? Oh yeah. I mean, in Italy, being a bow maker is like being a shoemaker. You make violins. Uh, it's something that is, you know, very low in the society. Even you know? today. Even today. Today it's different because it's, different. it's more rare now, yeah. Because now this on TV and you go to school and they made yeah. it like important. Now, you know, even if you be a chef, it's important. You see on TV, being a chef, being a chef in Italy, it's uh, ridiculous. You don't need to go to school, you know? Yeah. Be a valley maker was like that. You don't need to, not to write, no, Guadagnini, famous valley maker, they, they cost now $2 million. So, God, Frontier, he didn't know how to write, he was illiterate. His kids had to write uh, labels for him. Wow. You know, he didn't know. He didn't know how to write or read. Yeah. Yeah. It was just that the violin was so common that. Yeah, it was a low profession. All you had to do was be the best at something very common. Yeah, there was one person who made money, Stradivari. Of course, Amati was uh, before him, but Strad was the one person actually made money mm -hmm. building mm -hmm. instruments. There's a. I heard that in, in our pit at LA Opera, there's a violin that premiered Beethoven ninth one of the violins oh really I actually don't know yeah uh, uh, oh, you know the lady with the makeup uh, Tamson oh Tamson he's gone she's not she is? our long uh, longer with us yeah her violin apparently that's very possible yeah w was it premiered premiered the, the Beethoven yeah in the Philharmonic there's a, a cello Stradivari cello the premiered version concerto oh my god yeah so tell me about making violins. What 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 did you? Uh, it's a passion I had, like I said. And uh, one day you just said, you know what, I'm going to try this. Um, 
let me see. Went to yeah. Home Depot, got some pine. <laughs> no, I used to go to Zvali Maker, always adjust my instruments. Uh-huh. And, here uh, in LA. Here in LA. And uh, we were, there was me and there was a jeweler, a guy, an older guy, French guy, who wanted to learn to make violins. And I'm like, I got curious. I'm like, really? And uh, this Valley I said, you know, I want to try it. So he said, you know, you can hurt yourself. Let me show you how to do a violin. So that's how I started. And then I'm like, another friend of mine who's a collector was a Strad, uh, started to make violins. So I'm like, if you can do it, I can do it. So that's how I started. Weren't you worried about your fingers? At first I was. Yeah. At first I was. Do you, are your, is your hand insured? Uh, no, it's not insured, but I'm very careful. You learn. How are you, you're making violins. How careful can you be? Well, I don't make that much, but I, now I make bows. Bows actually became, becoming more than making violins. I like making bows more. Why is that? Just the way they look, the way they, what is it about making a bow that you like so much? Uh, I think it's because I, I know I can make good bows. Really good bows. And I know I cannot make good violin. <laughs> So I want to stick with bows. I like carving. Yeah. I like carving. You know, at first you think it's easy, but now that I'm getting better, I'm of like... Of course, the harder it gets. Yeah, I want to be good bows and I'm investing good money on wood that is hard and rare. And uh, I want to challenge myself. I want to find the... Per I want to make the perfect bow. Yeah. And it doesn't exist. <laughs> No, not like the perfect violin. Uh, yeah. It's impossible. Yeah. I mean, bows are expensive. It's not about the money. I mean, I mean the what main I'm thing saying, is you're selling. That's the thing. What selling I'm saying, it. but, you, but you're, you're kind of debasing the art of making bows and how low it is. But actually, people seek out. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's very, very, Some they can become very expensive. expensive. Yeah. I think there's a bow that has been offered, D1 bow by Turks, who's the best bow maker of all time, Francois Xavier Tut. And they were offering a bow for like seven, seven fifty gold Tory shell unique. Wait, seven hundred fifty thousand dollars? For a bow. That's the highest I've heard. You know and I know they're expensive, but seven fifty for one bow it's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> of course they didn't sell. Yeah. It's like this one viola in London by Stradivari is like the four four violas and they're asking like uh, how much 40 million dollars for a viola wow so i mean sometimes. it's just it's an investment more than a, in, i yeah. mean the the value is is in perception and not the actual intrinsic value yeah and always yeah. say the instrument's worth uh, based on how much people are willing to pay that's right everything is but you know you have an auction a strat sells for 16 million so it makes every strat go up in price and how do people how do players play instruments like that no not, not many players can afford that kind no, of thing. Exactly. Do they it's, borrow their instruments? They borrow instruments. From investors? From, yeah. So if Joshua Bell or somebody plays your violin, your investment becomes more valuable, basically. If he plays, I don't know. You know, or somebody of, uh, no, it's, of great fame, you know. Uh, I don't think so. Because as an way. investor, I would want to buy a violin for you to play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if uh, someone buys uh, Joshua Bell's violin, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know like what I mean? Perman's violin. Yeah. Someone buys Perman's violin. Right. It has a name. Yeah. And then that violin yeah. pays for itself. Yeah. 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 It helps. Oh, that's interesting. I had a violin on loan for quite a while. I have a nice Guarneri's on loan from the foundation in Italy. Wow. I can't detach myself from the violin. Is Every it? time I think I want to give it back, I can't. I'm attached. Yeah. It's like uh, like a lover. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, I made the sound of the violin. You know, it's weird because the first. It's not like having a car, you know, every Ferrari is like, you know, great car, every Ferrari is the same. But the first, you play the instrument, the first year, the first two years, it's like, oh, you know, the one is good, but it's not your sound, you know? You have to make your sound. It takes a long time to make your own sound, to do yeah. things you want to do. And is this the violin that you still use, the Guarneri? Yeah, yeah. It is. You yeah. use that at, at the opera, in the pit? Yes. It has a sweet tone. And how do you... Do you check in with the owner periodically, or how does oh, that yes. work? Yes, yes, we are in touch all the time. Whenever you From leave the that. country, do you have to tell them I'm leaving yes. the country? Yes. In the past, I could nobody could could touch this violin. I was only me, no makers, no other players could. So, touch like the when I came in earlier and I picked up a violin, you could not have given me the Guarneri. 
No, now it's different. Now uh, it's changed a lot. They open up a little more. And it just depends on the actual owner. And the trust. Yeah. Wow. Trust uh, changed. Have you ever had an instrument stolen? Mm, no. I mean, it's pretty common. They yeah? did, though. They did. They, they, they have many violins, and they, they, the owner got a few violins stolen. Wow. The last one is the actual violin that I really like, Guadagnini, that got stolen on the train in Switzerland. And it's gone? It's gone. I know the violin. I wanted to buy a violin. It's like, oh, my God. I mean, how do you buy a violin? Like, it's like buying a house, yeah? Oh, yeah. You get a loan, and who, who? I mean, do do banks oh, loan more. people money? I mean, how do you? They do. I think. How do you so. finance a violin? I, I did buy an Amati once. I uh, asked the bank. It was my first time. Uh, I and they were money from, from they the were bank. familiar with it. Yeah. And I, no, I paid the bank back right away. Mm -hmm. That's how I started. Wow! And did you sell that? You're, well, I you sold told it. Me you're, I sold you're good it. at selling violins. Yeah. I sold it. But they, now it's getting impossible. Now it's getting too expensive. You can't afford it. Yeah, because of all the investors, right? Yeah. They're, they're driving all the prices. Yeah. They as collector's items, as yeah. as investments. It's rare, more more and more rare. Like paintings, like art. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean a painting is just canvas and paint. It's really it's Exactly. They say all oh, the money is wood. It's like yeah, but Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And they say they can reproduce the instrument. You cannot reproduce the instruments. The wood even if the same maple and spruce, but it's not from the seventeen hundreds, it's different. The wood is different. It makes that big of a difference? Yeah, I mean, the climate is different. Look, with so much pollution, like people, like trees are not the same trees that we had in 1700. Not as strong, not as healthy, and obviously it's different. Even it's the same maple, I think is different. You don't think there are violins being made today that are as good as... I think so. I think there are violins made a, a better. But the... You know, it's not about perfection because if you think about it, Germans and the French always thought that they were better than Italians. Why? Because they were more precise. But how come the Italians always beat everybody? Because their sound was the most beautiful and powerful. It was not about precision, perfection. There's something else. Something else <laughs> that everybody's been searching for. Yeah. They for knew other things. They had their heart, their passion. And it's not about precision. Yeah. Yeah. You see one side of a strut, different. Well, strut was a, a Mongol, the Italians was the more precise of all. Hmm. That's why people think it was not even Italian. <laughs> really? Yeah. What do they think? It was German? Well, they never found his father. They never found uh, where he came from. They think uh, even the name Stradivari, it means various streets, various origins. So they never found any uh, things about his family, where they came from. They think he came from somewhere else. They made up a name. How interesting. So. <laughs> wow. Well, what do you have coming up? Tell me about what you have coming up. Tell um, me about these concerts that you're Well, man, I'm playing for uh, this this uh, house concert mm -hmm. and um, a friend, the recitals, then I'm going to try another house concert I'm preparing. And then I am playing Paganini Concerto Number 1 in Oregon, in Astoria, for this festival. Mm -hmm. um, and you have your contracts for next season for the opera? Yeah. That's all done. How How far ahead do you get contracts? Is it like us every uh, every year? Normally, I get I get a little longer contract. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So that's good. Yeah, it would be nice to have tenure track to have less pressure. Yeah, I mean, do you think this is where you? What's What's the future have in store for you as far as the opera? Do you think you'll stay as long as you? I don't think it will happen for the nature of the job, mm -hmm. but. I'm trying to live uh, year by year. I, li I like it. Mm -hmm. And I hope the opera is growing. Mm -hmm. The actual opera is growing. I wish they have more productions, more operas to do. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like it's getting more stress. Obviously, the opera is getting better. We just hired for a new violinist, hmm. for young violinists. So the level is getting higher. The orchestra is getting better and better. Uh, does the stress, does the does the not knowing, uh, how do I put this? I, I've never, I've had regular jobs in yeah. my life. I've never been very good at them. I always complain now about not knowing how I'll make a living. Really, like yeah. I, year to year, it, yeah. it, it's, it's stressful. But at the same time, maybe there's something about that that I actually do like, the uncertainty. Uh, yeah. Is that part of your personality that you're okay with? Yeah. It is. Yeah. 
Yeah, if you, I think uh, it's part of also being passionate and like something, be an artist, you know, you like uh, mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. If you start thinking how much money you make and how many productions and keeping a job, I think some it loses a little bit in, in you, mm-hmm. like the passion. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Well, we are different people, a different uh, belief, a different creed, a different uh, what do you what do you, what do you say? Like a different breed of people, right? Artists. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel it too, for sure. Well, listen, I've taken enough of your time. Thanks for being on well, the show. Thank you. It was very nice. Sorry about the beginning. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> uh, thanks, Roberto. Uh, thank you. Well, there you have it, folks. Roberto Connie. Thanks, Roberto, for being on the show. Always love seeing you. Thanks for being so cool, man. I also want to thank uh, Greg Geiger for my theme song. Still loving it, buddy. Go to LAClassical.com and say, hey, I really like the theme song you helped Omar uh, put together. I'd like to take some voice lessons because I heard you're you're amazing too. I want to thank you guys. Couldn't do it without you. This is my favorite day of the week. Monday morning, putting it together. I, you know, I've got to get ahead of schedule a little bit. I'm out of uh, out of interviews. So if you know anybody that wants to be on the show, especially if they're famous or really weird and crazy, send them my way. Shoot me an email. If you like the show, send me a couple bucks too. Go to my website and hit donate. Takes a couple minutes. I'm still tossing around this Patreon page idea. I'm not sure. Oh, I'm meeting with somebody this week who's hof- hopefully going to join the join the LWAG pod team. To help me with all that stuff with the with the youtube and the facebook and the instagram and the prodigy.net you know i need help with that stuff anyway happy monday everybody hope you have a great rest of the week please remember to be kind to one another you're really good at stuff and until next to dance you like long walks and you wear clean pants genius get onto my show